Slow clap. Slow clap for the beginning. Very clever. Well, existing like the universe always does. Not terribly original, is it? Uh, oh, I think another thing I can do to make you, you visible to the naked eye is put this pillow just here. Ah, oh, that's it. Look at. Ah, oh, there you, we are. Clever. You've put me on a small cushion. I've put you on a small a butterfly imprinted cushion. Yes. As one might call it, a, a, boost, it, a booster cush. Is it a hassock? Not cush. <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> There's no booster cush in this podcast. It's family friendly. That could be a character, couldn't it? Booster cush. Booster cush. <laughs> Where would he be from? I think he'd be American. He'd the be name's a... Booster Cush. The name's Booster Cush. Booster <laughs> Yeah, no, he'd be definitely from Tennessee. Booster Cush. Hello, I'm going to eat some biscuits. Biscuits with Booter on the top. Booter. Booter. I'm going to go ahead and do that now. My name's Booster Cush. Welcome to Naughty Kids, the podcast where we explore the best of that halcyon age when things were better, dungarees were worse, and the Spice Girls, Girls? Spice Girls. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Ruled with an iron fist. No, I'm not doing a second run of that. That was brilliant. It is, of course, the late 90s and early noughties. I'm Joey Hart, 1994 till present. And I'm Josh Hinton, 1994 to... In- Blade the life jacket, blow hard down this nozzle. This week we're tumbling down the rabbit hole of memory and landing on the sunny shores of holidays past. Is that a sunny shore? That's that a sunny there? shore of holidays I like past. I like I'd also like to just, you know, make sure that our listeners from the southern end of England land realised just there that uh, it's, it's holidays past. It's not holidays past. Holidays, holidays past. You see, Did I you say past. I I, I I do a mix these days, um, partly to blame you know Radio Four. Obviously, it's their fault um, that I don't speak with a thick northern accent, um, uh, and, and partly because of my wife, who of course is, and I you know I don't say this lightly. She is from the south, <laughs> but she's not just from the south, is she? She's also from the west. She's from well, she's from the south of also Wales. She's from the south of also Wales and also England, of and also as a result, England. speaks like the Queen until she gets agitated. At which point, she becomes Rod Gilbert, or vaguely tired, exactly. And then it's full Rod Gilbert at that point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she turns thick and Welsh by then with a tog rating system. <laughs> Five rating system. A tog rating system. Lovely. Lovely. Oh, yeah, she lovely lovely well, anyway she she's from the south of england she's from exactly that's the south of england side of it she's like lovely 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 talk right thing she <laughs> that, that went dutch michael there <laughs> that was no that was that was welsh michael Kane. anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves uh, yeah, she or talk rather we're getting right sideways mr Bebe. <laughs> i knew mr batman was going to come out then i could feel him of i could feel is. him stalking in the bushes but he's dead anyway uh holidays is what we wanted to talk about Yes, Mr. Batman. But before um, we do... Before we do... Oh, have you got you've, a foley? You've, you've forgotten. I have How dare you? Foley gotten. Foley gotten. A foley gotten is. A foley gotten. Oh, is that... Is that... Is that... Is that, uh, is that a, a... It small, is. It's a small orange. It is what you think it is. A small orange. Okay, the foley for this week is a musical foley. And uh, and it goes like this. Or it might do. Let's just see if I... I haven't played this in ages.
We've now painted a scene. It's a mystical mountain. There are dwarves mining gold in them, our hills. And over yeah. the hill comes a Josh piano. and Joey on holiday. A piano? Oh, sorry. Was it not a piano? <laughs> that was a piano, ladies and gentlemen. A piano played in an unconventional and some would say dangerous manner. Some, no, some, it wasn't. Some it was, say. It yeah. was a it was a mandolin. A man a mandarin. A mandarin. It's a slightly slightly sexist instrument. It should it's be called a person It's slightly different to a, a Cantonese a lin. Who is this a mandolin? What are you saying Cantonese? What's it got to do with Cantonese? No, no, it's not a mandarin. It's a candle. Oh, I see. Okay. We're getting very tortuous here. I would like you to acknowledge my sexism joke. I thought that was quite funny. I, I wasn't listening. I'm going to be honest. Well, I said it was sexist, and it shouldn't be called a mandolin. It should be called a person Oh, I see. Can you get a woman to Lynn, or is that just Lynn? <laughs> exactly, it wouldn't need to be a woman to Lynn. It's just Lynn. It's already called Lynn. Just call it Lynn. <laughs> this is Lynn. <laughs> this is Lynn. She has eight strings. It's highly strong. So where did you go on your holidays? That's the real question that the listeners want to know. None of this sexist mandolin nonsense. We went on holiday in a, in a variety. We started in tents, and then we went And then past got tents. slightly more gentle. Yes, yeah, so we went into the past. <laughs> It, yes, I like it, we, always, we both see the joke coming and we both land on it exactly the same time. <laughs> what was your joke? This is why we're great friends. And sometimes exactly. we both come up with different puns and that's more fun. And then they cancel each other out and silence prevails. Yes, exactly. You end up with a collision of puns. We uh, um, annihilate one another and release lots of energy in the form of laughter. Exactly. Matter versus antimatter. Pun versus anti-pun. Exactly. And we're left bereft well, 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 punless. You're saying it's got an anti-pun there. <laughs> anti-pun. Anti-pun, a friend of a mandolin. <laughs> anti-pun. Anti-pun and a mandolin. They love to sit over a cup of, cup of, cup, a cup of copper, a cup of tea, and, uh, and discuss the world. You can tell it's been two or three weeks since we last did <laughs> this podcast. The puns, the puns are shoving up behind us and like we can't get them all out fast it's, enough. Uh, it's, it's, it's a hard life that we lead. It's a difficult life. In this world of words. And, uh, ways. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, what were you talking about? Are you asking me about my holidays? I'm asking you about your holidays. Yes, that's that's what's on the agenda for our you know podcast reminiscing about the late '90s and early noughties. So we're looking specifically for late '90s and early noughties holidays to late kick 90s us off with anyway, and to some lesser, though perhaps greater extent, the early noughties. Uh, well, yeah. I, would, I would yes, exactly. As I say, we started in tents. Uh, we had tents that we put in the car. It was my brother and I at that point, and my parents. They were there too. They drove the car. And we'd go on holiday in, in our, we had quite small cars. I remember one was called uh, Pops, Popsy, was it called? And one was called Nippy. They they all had small Zoomy <laughs> names because they were small Zoomy cars. Popsy, was that a car? And it will never know. Uh, Popsy and sounds like, rather like something you'd catch in the Crimean War. Popsy, yes. It's a terrible disease where one of your arms falls off and reattaches to your left leg. <laughs> um which doesn't help with camping, as you can imagine. Uh, well, we had tra we, we, yeah, sorry, sorry, we were on a holiday. We had tents, and tents were great. And we'd go to the Lake District, or we'd go, we went down to Somerset, I think, at one point, which is very, very Whoa. far away. And we'd have to wake up incredibly early um, um, and leave leave at, like, half past five in the morning, and it was dark, and we took our pillows with us, and we slept in the car, and it was all very, very exciting. Go on. And when you, and when you did that, uh, got up early in the morning to go on holiday, did mm. you hear from the radio emitting the dulcet tones of one Sir Lord Knight Terry Wogan? Uh, we, we didn't listen to Radio 2. Oh, it was no. one of the great signifiers for me that we were going on holiday 
was Terrible. because my my dad did a lot of driving around yeah. the country and and so and he was a radio 2 fan and so usually yeah we'd get up at hideous o'clock pack everything into the car and and then you know my sister and i would sort of drift off again in the background but my dad would always have terry wogan on mm. and yeah do, uh, in a moment i will make space for your impression because it's very good um but it was just that lovely kind of warm reassuring i could never actually hear the words he was saying it was so indistinct but but you sort of knew that he was saying something nice and and uh, and the music was uh, was you know agreeable and it went holiday hearing terry wogan and uh, and perhaps you could do a little demonstration of what that might have sounded like. It's, it's a beautiful day, and here we are on this adventure. <laughs> Off we go. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Thank you. Very good. Uh, we didn't listen to the radio in the car. We each brought with us several CDs, uh, not to be confused with the currency of Ghana. And, and we brought with us several CDs, and then we would take it in turns to pass the CD into the front and say, I would like this CD, please, track four, or whatever it was. And the song would be selected. Um, and that would be the beginning of the journey. By the end of the journey, it was simply a case of uh, throw a CD into the front, and we just played the whole CD, because it was far less effort than selecting individual tracks from individual CDs. Not that the car had a CD player. What we Did had you? was my dad's Walkman um, set up on Velcro on the dashboard, with one of those cassette adapters oh, wow. for a jack cable so we could play CDs in this car. And of course, as soon as you went over any sort of, you know, as soon as the road stopped being a perfect sheet of glass um, and there was any sort of bump, then the CD would skip and you'd end up with the same bit again <laughs> or you'd skip to the next track or whatever it was. That's right. I'd forgotten about that. Yes. And, it, and if you pressed on it, it would stop. And, mm. and, and Yes. And it was made of very thin plastic. And so if you touched it, it, of course, went <laughs> and stopped playing yeah. whatever song it was playing. I, I, they were a big part, weren't they, of, of holiday car journeys? Was was back in the days before MP3 players was the sort of fickleness and characteristics of of personal devices. Because we, before C, we had our we had our personal CD players, but before mm. they came along, we had personal tape players. My sister and I that my parents bought us little silver ones, mm -hmm. and uh, and we used to before we went on holiday, we would go to the public library in North Allerton and get, excellent place, get audio books on tape. Oh, excellent. And, I don't know if you have used these, but they were absolutely huge because, you know, your average book, even for a kid's book, would take sort of six to eight tapes. Oh, wow. Um, and oh, so was you it in like a large kind of almost like a, a video box? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, like a plastic, yeah. plastic box. And they would, and, and it, you'd like pop the tapes in and, and, um, and so we'd be sat there in the back of the car with this heap of, of plastic boxes yes. full of tapes and and the rate the, the players i mean yeah they work perfectly fine but the problems with them were twofold one was that they picked up uh, uh static from phone calls so if if my dad was on the phone which he was regularly because it was his, his job it, you'd be getting in the background and so you'd yeah. have to just turn your tape yeah. off and wait for him to finish his conversation and then the second thing was that when the batteries started to run flat in them rather than running at full capacity until the moment when the power ran out oh, and then stopping dead right, they would slowly, slowly get quieter until eventually you were sat there ramming the headphones into your ears like deep into your ear canals so that you could still hear it over yeah. the noise of the road was that a real uh, wind-up thank you thank you so yes. getting so, so you so you got up early in the morning you were driving to your tenting area Yes, we went t tenting. That's the technical term, I think, actually, now you mention it. Yes, I think, I think it's the Clarksonian term. <laughs> Some early A-B testers of this podcast have suggested we reference Jeremy Clarkson too much. 
But I say unto them, no, it is not possible. I would say, yes. <laughs> but then on the flip side, I will say, is that possible? Find not out quite. next week. No, exactly. And, and on, on that bombshell. And on, and on that bombshell. I do. I think it's funny. I'm watching the, the new version of Top Gear at the moment. And you can tell when a writer who used to write for Clarkson, you know, his bit of or her bit of writing makes it to the final cut. And you go, yeah. that's a very Clarkson-esque way of saying that. <laughs> and then it gets delivered by, you know, Paddy McGuinness. And you go, that's not, it's not quite landed the same way as I think the writer expected it to. Yeah. Oh, this week we're gonna look at cars. Fastest car in the world. In the world. Time to see. Let the car see the racetrack. No likey, no lighty, unless you're indicating. In which case, make sure you do it. <laughs> Don't be dirty. You're Don't, be there. Don't be dirty. You've gone Lancashire. <laughs> he is Lancashire. He's from Bolton. Oh, of course he is. Anyway. Anyway, so, so tenting. We and, went and tenting. And I, I loved tenting because we cooked our meals. And I don't know how many times we did this, but we cooked our meals on a little trangia, which are these fantastic aluminium camping stoves with a little um, burner for some methylated spirits, which smelled amazing. And I'm sure we did this a few times, but we then moved on to... We had a caravan for a while. We had several caravans, not all at the same time. That would have formed a caravan of caravans. <laughs> <laughs> but we had caravans, um, but we also did holiday homes. We went to different places up and down the country, as you'd imagine. Yeah. But they were, and this is the important thing, which you know, which will juxtapose what you're about to say about your holidays, is they were all in Blighty. Ah, uh, yes. Um, never, never further afield than let's say a nine-hour drive from Richmond to the Isle of Skye, which I think was the longest drive we did. That's pretty bold with small children. I mean, with your parents children. must have been very keen to visit. Time. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, the two of you were famed for being quiet, peaceful children who never made a noise, right? Model children that did Model not children. get sent to a different school because of poor behaviour. Absolutely right. I mean, your brother was, was fine, wasn't he? It was just you that was a little git. People have often described him as fine. <laughs> fine. Fine. He's a fine man. <laughs> He's a, he is... I, I'm, I'm always proud of my brother. He was always my hero on holidays and things. And we we would spend a lot of time. We'd always we'd usually take our bicycles and we'd go off and on our bicycles on an adventure together. I'd think imagine that. Yeah, the, the, the tenting we do was what we did. Yeah, the outdoorsy holidays would be excellent for for small boys. I mean, and we had knives just... and we whittled sticks and that sort of thing. I remember getting a huge blister on the end of my thumb because. I was pushing the blade of this knife to do whittling for so much. I just got this blister. <laughs> so the rest of the holiday was a bit rubbish because I couldn't do anything. Oh, no. I had this blister on the end. Day one, evening one, sat down in the camp chair with us. Now you whittling sticks. Until and your then... thumb bleeds and you're like, no, oh, that was a good idea. <laughs> no more whittling from then on. No, did, did, you, did you do kind of, you know, day trips out to local interest spots or did you just go and, you know, live wild in the woods? We did a bit, a bit of both. I would say we went, you know, a bit of a hike here and a bit of a hike there, and but we went to other things. The interests at the time were Ben liked uh, wildlife, most importantly mushrooms. And Interesting. Why and mushrooms? What, he had what was the fascination on them, and he learned everything there was to know about fly agarics and ink caps and whatever the other mushrooms were, and he just had this encyclopedia. He still does, which is why he's an excellent paramedic healthcare practitioner um, thanks to the nhs um, just yeah 
Um, Ow! I see. Back that's, my elbow. And that's why we I need, need the, the NHS. NHS. Ben, get here now. <laughs> uh, but no, he had this encyclopedia knowledge and he'd read the book and he'd know every fact about every type of mushroom. And it's quite a useful thing to know because then you don't go nibbling the wrong ones. So mushrooms was one interest. The next interest was, of course, water wheels. Of course. Um, oh, of course. So we went to What a place small boy does not ad- ad- admire water wheels? There was an excellent mine, I think it was a lead mine, called Kill Hope Wheel. Ooh. And it was a heritage place that had a mine that you could go in on a tour, and it was all cramped and small. And as a child, you're like, this is incredible, going into this mine and stuff. stuff. And I, I recently looked online, and I realised that this mine kind of goes in and then kind of turns left and just kind of follows maybe a meter into the hillside like a long and there's a chicken door halfway in case you get a bit too scared because <laughs> you mean it's like it's tiny the whole thing yeah it, it's it's and it's not going into the hillside it just follows the edge of the hillside yeah yeah but at the time it felt fantastic and it was dark and you had to put the helmet on with the proper little light and yeah dripping from the ceiling it's very and, cool oh it was brilliant so so mushrooms water wheels uh, and steam trains so we always had to try and find a, a steam railway, which no, you know, no little boy could ever survive without being incredibly excited. Absolutely. I mean, the Festiniog Railway was the one we we went to. We went, yeah. So good. I mean, apart apart from anything else, the word Festiniog is glorious. I mean, one it's of the best incredible. words in in the not English language. It's great. It's one of the best words in the not English language. Yep. <laughs> one of two languages in the world. Cheers. Um, English and not English. <laughs> But you, know, you reminded me talking of, uh, of 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 mines and water wheels and such. Of uh, I suppose it counts as a holiday that I went on in. Um, I would have been in year five, so I would have been nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely late nineties, early noughties, perfect, topical. And uh, that is it what was we're it was talking about. it was with my primary school, and it was I think probably it must have been the first time in my life actually that I ever went away from my family this for, was a, for a prolonged period trip. of time. A school school residential trip. trip. Yeah, okay. A week long, yeah, to um, wow, a, a place called what was it called? Uh, it was called Bewley Park, and it was in the Dales, and it was like a classic outdoor pursuit centre. So we we spent a week, and we lived in long dorms with you know 20 of us in one dorm brilliant yeah and um every day we went out and did something different so we went to brim and rocks which i know you know what it is but for people who don't know what it is it's some rocks huge kind of field but oh it's amazing it's like a geological feature with all weird shaped rocks all piled on top of each other you can climb all over them it's it's it's, it's yorkshire's answer to the grand canyon it is and it's better It, it yeah it's it's quicker the parking's cheaper takes uh, long takes less time to get around the there's there's an ice cream shop at one end less chance of falling off it has a tv show set in it called roger and the rotten trolls it's another great memory from the uh, late 90s and early which, 90s which is a reference that has to be referenced every time you drive over a cattle grid cattle grid <laughs> precisely yes that, that was a very good impression of yourself and, and the main character that. of roger and the rotten trolls uh which was about a young boy who discovered some some trolls living in Bremen rocks was called jochenthwaite which is a place in Yorkshire, and again, one of the greatest words in any language. For that I, love a good, I love a good thwaite. It's a good sound, isn't it? It's a good... A good um, you've got three is? consonants at the beginning of a word, and you know it's going to be good. When you've got three in, three in a row, you're like, this, what this is What follows will be momentous. Thwaite. Jochen, and particularly, it's got Jochen in front, in front of it, which sounds thwaite. like... It sounds like a really good smack of a ball with a bat, doesn't it? Jochen. Yes. 
Yes, and he lined Yuck. up to hit the ball as it bowled towards him and Yahoofwais. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we did that and we went to uh, a place called, the, be- the best day was, we, so we did caves, but the best day was mm. we went to a place called Haustein Gorge, which was, as the name suggests, a gorge. And uh, gorge. it had a, a river running through the bottom of it that had obviously carved it out. And it was all, you know, amazing kind of... Um, carved out bits of rock and, and little runnels and, and pools and yeah. it was really beautiful but the water was slow enough that you could walk down the bottom of it so we were all there topped oh, up a in gorge walk a gorge walk exactly so we were all wearing walk. full um, uh, waterproof clothes yeah. and boots and wellies and all that and I just remember them doing all sorts of fun stuff with us. They had us like dam the river with all of us sat next to each other, bum to bum on the on the on the you know until the river was rising up our backs and all sorts of stuff like that. And it was just just oh, the best fantastic. fun. So we went good. to something similar called East Barnby, which was in the in the Moors. <laughs> in the Moors, I've had double glazing fitted in my ass. <laughs> anyway, that's that's Leeds, isn't it? That's not Barnsley. Barnsley. Anyway, no, it is Barnsley. Yeah. It is Barnsley. Anyway, not Barnby. We went Come East on. Barnby, which yeah, it was Barnby. more it was more in that direction, I suppose. That was yeah, much the same. Gorge walking and all that sort of stuff. We went we went kayaking down the river and ended up in Whitby. So it must have been top wow. of the house. That was fantastic. Top and of we the end, yeah, too. you end up at the sea, so you, you go along the river, you end up in the estuary. Wow. And then you kind of come off at a pier near the in, in Whitby. In Whitby. Gosh, okay. gosh, you must have you must have paddled a long way. Well, we were going downstream, so that that did help a bit. That's really. I don't cool. know how far we went though. That was great fun. School trips though were fantastic. I I think I have had the best school trip. Ah oh, yes, this is a good cue. Tell us. A good master. Cue. Interesting, you bring up cue. We did in fact go to the cue bridge. Uh, cue. Cue. Is it called cue bridge? I can't remember. Anyway, the cue pumping station. Oh, in London. In London. So it was a school trip to London. I think I was in year year three or four. I wasn't very old. I might be, maybe five or six. I don't know. But we went on a school trip to London, and it was called Science Night. Uh, it was a single single night. So we went down very early in the morning, had a day in London, stayed overnight, a day in London, and then we drove back quite late. And that was Science Night, and it was it was fantastic. We stayed at a place of 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 rest at the end of a long weary day going around uh, London was HMS Belfast. Which is a battleship. It's not a battleship. It is a light cruiser, actually, if we're going to be correct about this. Oh, I see. It's a light cruiser. My brother Ben had made a beautiful model of it in Airfix, in one in 700 scale, or whatever it was. Um, And this was one of the first models he'd built. And because it was so kind of fiddly in detail and small, um, as we talked about, when we talked about Airfix, um, all of the features on it were just kind of a blob of glue. Because it was effectively melt, a, a cylinder. Together. It, I don't think this kit was possible unless you, you know, had tweezers and far too much time in your hands. But he made this yeah. model, and so HMS Belfast was a thing that we knew about. And then we went and slept on HMS Belfast down in the bowels of the ship, on so cool. the bunks that the crew slept on. You know, so when it cool. was a proper warship. Oh, it was fantastic. It's a very. It's a, I mean, I can't imagine anything that would have made me happier, age ten or whatever you were. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And it, these beds were kind of like a fabric strung between two poles, it's kind of hammock esque, but kind of a halfway between a hammock and a bunk bed. And they went three levels up, but the top level was cordoned off because that was too dangerous for small children. But we slept down in the and this oh, it was brilliant. And then the next day we just ran around the ship 
and they said you have free reign of the ship oh, we didn't go off with a, so group, with a teacher we just went off and I think you had to be in a group of three or more and that was it that was the rule and we just I suppose explored it's... It's quite good, isn't it, for the teachers? Because there's no, you know, there's only so far you can go. Yeah, right? so if, if you, were you to get, get lost, lost, somebody will know how to find you. Yeah, I mean, I say that. Well, I was going to say, you know, it's quite a dangerous place because you know I've been there just as a visitor on normal normal times, and uh, yep, exactly. and there's a lot of nooks and crannies and pipes and things you can bang your head on and get your hand trapped. Oh in yeah, that, it but... was. I don't think they would let people do it anymore. No, but at the no, time in the late nineties, early noughties. It was Halcyon age. sufficiently, exactly, sufficiently allowable that we did that. And we went down through the engine room and we went up through where they cooked the food and we had, there was the aircraft hangar because they had a couple of aircraft that would launch off a catapult on the side. They of have the an plane. aircraft hangar on the Belfast. They do. They had. I've uh, never they, seen that. They launched, the, the aircraft were called, um, I think they were Supermarine, which is the company that made Spitfires, Supermarine Walrus. Oh yes, the least sexy airplane name which, of all time. Which looked like a canoe which a biplane had crashed into, is what it looked like. <laughs> and everyone thought better of it and decided never to use them. Yeah, well, this is it, and then they just ended up shoved on these on these boats. But they were for reconnaissance and that sort of thing. I um, did not know the Belfast had planes on it. That's it fascinating. Couple, it has a couple of little planes. So I think what's the, kind of the main hall where people go and have talks and they do events and corporate stuff, that is the, is the hangar where they stored one. And then mm. they'd have another one on the catapult ready to fire off the side of the ship. That's really cool. And then I have a couple of land, a little crane, pick it up, put it back in. It was brilliant. It's very good, yeah. I have a couple of, of interesting tidbits in relation to the HMS Belfast. The first mm. of which is that uh, the um, we were family friends with a chap who uh, did his naval training on the Belfast at the start of the war. Yeah. Um, and then ran, um, not on the Belfast, but he ran... Uh, convoys in the Arctic uh, during the oh, wow. the bat- during the Battle of the Atlantic, um, and has medals from from the uh, Soviet Union saying thanks ever so much for helping us have food and that sort of thing. And he and he oh, went my to goodness, wow. did he go to Russia or no? He was the Russian embassy when he was in his in his eighties, I think, to receive so can you, another can, medal. Can you do an impression then of what's happening? A, a, a man from the HMS Belfast. Let's just run with the Belfast accent. Uh, meeting someone from Russia. Can you do both? I want to hear that interaction. <laughs> okay. Hello, uh, it's ever so nice to be here to select this medal, collect this medal from you, uh, the Russian ambassador, uh, who looks terribly shifty, but I'm sure it's terribly nice. Yes, here is medal for running guns and other things to us here in Murmansk. Oh, terribly kind, terribly kind. Thank you so much. I shall, I shall see you at the next, the next reunion. Thanks so much. Goodbye. Oh, that was excellent. Was the first guy the Russian or the second guy? Uh, well, the second guy was actually from the Ukraine. I oh, was from the Ukraine. Um, sorry, sorry. So Eastern yeah, Bloc is what specifically the Crimea, Ukrainian. Yeah. Uh, oh, but uh, oh, oh, playing with fire. Oh, oh, don't goodness. shoot me, Putin, please. Putin, um, leave me alone, Putin. I can't so that's cool, Mr. Putin. And then the second thing is that um, that is very cool. That's an amazing. Very randomly. It is very cool, isn't it? And and uh, yeah, slightly randomly uh, for for various reasons, I was invited to go and be on the Belfast for their um, 75th anniversary of D-Day celebrations. Yes. and That wasn't to... in, the, in the early noughties and late nineties. No, it was later than that because 75 years after 1944 is somewhat later than that. But nevertheless, quite a cool story in relation to the Belfast. And yeah, we saw wow. D-Day veterans showing their stories and, and ate food and hobnobbed. And it was, yeah, it was good. Did you get to play on the anti-aircraft guns? But no, I didn't, but they did fire the cannons oh that's very exciting 
Yes. The ones that are aimed at the service station on the, the M25. The service station isn't there. Where yeah. Yes, exactly. They fired them in sleep. Anyway, we've been talking about about the ship for a while now, which which we're beginning to get off. To, we're beginning to do what we what we tend to do. We drifted uh, <laughs> and drift. off topic. We're adrift. Which the Belfast sea. does not do these days. But no. yes, in a Belfasty manner. Absolutely, Belfast manner. It's not where a we Belfast go manor. now. A Belfast manner. A Belfast manner. Catch yourself <laughs> okay. on there. Longer and longer. Belfast, Belfast manor. Where are our bags? That's another that's another joke that doesn't belong to us that we've nope. shamelessly stolen. As all good shamelessly. Jokes. Shamelessly stolen. <laughs> yes, but kayaking, which you mentioned, are you kayaking down to, to the wonderful world of Whitby, which which is very good and has many things, mm. including goths, rock, jade and Dracula. And Dracula, exactly. And very good um uh battered haggis. Battered haggis. Battered haggis. Battered haggis. Uh, that's, Battered those haggis. are two words I never thought I'd hear together. I know, just um, like booster, uh, booster Kush. Booster, booster, booster Kush. And it's battered haggis. And it's battered haggis. Booster, where's your haggis? I don't know, man. I've lost my haggis. I had it down here, but I think it's battered. <laughs> I've had it for many years. It it used to be pristine, but these to, days it is quite better. Man, it's pretty better now. My poor haggis. <laughs> Booster, you need to take better care. Wait, our voices have swapped. Oh, that doesn't matter. Never mind. Am I Booster, Booster or you? I don't know who's Booster no more. You never loved me, <laughs> did you, John? Who's John? Um, we got slightly confused there. <laughs> Sorry, you you were you were segueing beautifully from kayaks to Whitby. Um, kayaks to. To, to actually, do you know what? I think you should just resume your your booster booster chat. Booster Kush. Ah, uh, hello. My name's Booster Kush, and I'm here to tell you about new traditional battered haggis. It sounds amazing, and it is. Come on down to Whitby. We got all the battered haggis a man could want. Come on, Booster. Let's get some haggis, son. Booster Kush is battered haggis. <laughs> that yeah i think i, I think that. we've peaked that i think serendipity this is the last episode ever that's it thanks folks for listening we'll thank see. you ladies and gentlemen <laughs> we'll Booster Kush will return Booster same bat time same bat place mr batman mr batman mr booster so now can you do can you do <laughs> can you do michael kane interviews booster Kush about Sorry, mr mr Kush. oh I've already lost as to who's who. I'm a Batman or you, Batman. Man, I don't know who's who. I'm an entirely different person. Mr. Booster. That's right, Mr. Booster. Mr. Batman, what you doing over here? Segway. So the Segway was um, kayaks. Kayaks. And and kayaking. I've never done river kayaking, but I have done sea kayaking or you rather to, yeah. as they call it in this country to which we are now turning our attention fjord kayaking ah ah ha hergy hergy dergy kaya fjordaking fjord fjordaking 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 and the country is of course norway 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 man norway I can't even believe it. You're coming over here with your new way. Oh. 
it's another episode of Don't Tell the Bride. Don't tell the bride. I don't, don't even know. Don't even know. Do I? <laughs> I don't know what yes. that is. Anyway. So my uncle, my, my mother's brother, had uh, aged around 23, 24, something like that. He had Ready? a really rather brilliant idea mm. of marrying a Norwegian. Uh, he was you know, helped along in this endeavor by the fact that a Norwegian fell in love with him, and he fell in love with her. And so mm. they were married, as young people in love are wont to do, and he was thus enabled to obtain a visa. Thusly enabled, Ed. And moved thusly unto Norway, which, forsooth, for time for some consumer advice. If you or anyone close to you ever get the chance to move to Norway, do, do. it in yes. an instant. Do, do it. it as though there are wolves chasing you. What are you waiting for? Come on. Do it. Get there. <laughs> it's a beautiful do it place. What are you waiting Just for? Do Come it. on. I don't even know why you see here. It's got beautiful fjords and fields and people, you know. It's just great. Get there. What are you waiting for? Come on. <laughs> you had a long day at work today. I've had a t- I'm on holiday. This is what happens. <laughs> oh, I see. Even work worse. wears me down. It, it, it battens it down inside the voices. But freedom releases the Arnold. Exactly. Release the Arnold. The yes, Arnold. but Norway, brilliant place. Absolutely go there if you can. And so because my uncle lived in Norway, uh, and, and so did the rest of his family. He was the we go-to would visit. Guy. He was the go-to guy. They had a spare room or two, and mm-hmm. so we would go and stay with them. And uh, for for reasons, Ryanair ran a nice cheap run from Newcastle to an airport that Ryanair calls Oslo Torp, which is the same as calling Birmingham London Birmingham. Yes, it is. It's not really very close. Um, but we and used e- to go and there. Neither is it Torp, frankly. It's not Torp either. It's not Oslo. It's not Torp. It's barely even an airport. It's more of a yeah. shed and a field. But Oslo Torp Airport, they call it, and uh, yeah, and so we used to spend all of our all of our summer, well, not all of our summer, but vast majority of our summers in Norway. And so I grew up very lucky with the chance to go to this country that is astronomically yeah. expensive. Um, it's about situation. It, it was about twice. I don't know what it is currently, but I remember it being everything was almost exactly twice as expensive. Yes, it's exactly. quite it's quite bizarre, really. I mean, it's it's a it's an odd thing to come from a developed rich nation and visit another developed rich nation that is you know broadly speaking on a on a par with with britain in terms of you know most markers yes and find that that everything is inaffordable that you can afford nothing i mean the famous story was uh, uh my parents one time we were staying with my cousins uh wanted to take everybody out for pizza to sort of say thank you for having us mm. and we went to an absolute bog standard pizza place you know the, the pizza hut of norway a, a common or garden pizza place. A common or garden pizza place. Mm. And uh, pizza for 10 people came to something in the region of 250, 300 quid. Ooh, yeah. Just Blimey. pizza. So, and that's anyway, just so the yes. base price. And so, <laughs> so we're very lucky too, to get sorry, to visit. Sorry, too, too cheesy? Too cheesy, absolutely. You can have one more. Any more to come? I've got no more. I'm absolutely stuffed. There it is. There it is. I knew there's another one lurking in the in the rushes. Um, yeah. Yes. So I grew and up... did they pay? Did they pay two hundred million pounds in order to, yeah. to buy the pizzas for the family? Your, yeah, your well, uncle you know, didn't was... step in and go, "Don't worry, poor now entirely English people. I'll step in and pay half or whatever." No, I, th- wow. I think I think they went ahead. I mean, I didn't think it was a complete surprise to them. You know, they'd been to Norway before. I think they sort of went into okay, it with eyes open. That's true. But it's just a good example of how yeah. expensive everything is over there 
And um, it is. I mean, you go into a roadside kind of uh, service station to buy a bottle of Coke or something, and it's three pounds for a five hundred mil bottle or something. Yeah. Which doesn't sound, yeah. but that's a lot of money for what it is. It is. Yeah. yeah. It is. But on the flip side, you know, that being the case, it is. It's just a lovely country. Everyone's very kind country. and happy. And and my cousins live on the Oslo Fjord and uh, they live near the sea and they have kayaks and it's just gorgeous. I mean, there's all these little tiny islands out in the fjord and you can go on boats and have barbecues and, and then by a freak of the Gulf Stream, despite the fact that they are on about the same latitude as the Shetland Islands, it is really, really hot in the summer. Yeah. And so I grew up thinking that Norway was a really hot country and uh, and it was just <laughs> joyful. It was so lovely. And and this was the norm for you, and it bored you, or or you, you, you the excitement and the thrill waned, did it? I I do remember one famous instance where I was just being a bit of a brat, where I I remember we arrived and I was having a bit of a, a bit of a sulk because right. I was like I won't be in Norway again. I will go somewhere interesting on holiday, and I remember my parents being like, "Don't be such a git. Don't be dirty. <laughs> Don't be dirty." <laughs> Um, because yeah, obviously it's a great privilege to go and yes. spend that and, much time there. So. You shared this great privilege with your poor, uh, lesser privileged um, compatriot, uh, a little lad called Joey Hart, who'd never been on an aeroplane. That's not true. It had been on an aeroplane, but who never had exited the Shire. The Shire. Before we take one more step, Mister Frodo, we the first <laughs> we've ever gone. Right, Mister Frodo. <laughs> exactly, and you came with me in. 2000 and and we had a lovely time it was very good wasn't it it was great and you've been back twice in fact because for some reason my cousins decided they liked you they did decide they liked me i think they liked me more than you which i think is uh it's hard They're probably trying to but, uh, trade me in for a better model exactly i'm less maintenance because i'm smaller <laughs> i'm not sure you eat less than me no that's definitely not true um and they had a multitude oh oh can we talk about this can we talk about the cupboards of plenty uh, I think we can. Which, which were not all they seemed to be. They were not. They were mystery. So as we, you know, happily nommed away on the, the you know, the, all the cheese and the bread and whatever was in the cupboards and breakfast, wake up and have some cereal and all that sort of thing. And the cupboards were full and they had many delicious, tasty things until we started reading some expiry dates and some of these things. What was the date on the on the cereal? Well, as as I remember it, so it was uh, we went there in the summer before we went to university. Um, so it was it was whatever it was, two thousand. When we were but younguns, but younguns, and um, and and I, I remember that we discovered it because we we had our cereal for breakfast, sat and watched you know three discs of Monty Python or whatever it was. We got through the entire flying circus while we were there. I think we did. That was very impressive. And 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 then we both of us spent the afternoon feeling a bit you know green about the gills neither of us were, were particularly in, in a good state that afternoon and so we checked the date on the cereal that we'd eaten for breakfast and discovered it had gone out of date when we started secondary school yes <laughs> which actually is apt for this you know very program because that was in fact in the late 90s and early noughties. And there's the segue <laughs> but yeah so I, I do remember sort of thinking gosh i, I wonder how off Wheat-based cereal can go. Was like, the let's... No, the milk was fine. Was it the sugar? No, that was new. Was it the cereal? Yes, yes, it was the cereal. <laughs> you hear all these stories, don't you, about people, you know, opening Egyptian tombs and finding cereal oh, that was I'm fairly sure a spirit of some sort was released uh, when we opened <laughs> that packet of Special K or whatever it was. The spirit of Tony the Tiger exited, <laughs> exercised from the box. Agreed. 
Uh, but apart from that, it's very good. And one of the real joys of of, uh, of Norway, food-wise, when we're talking about food, mm. is that because they obviously have a, a massive shipping industry, uh, shipping industry, fishing industry. Uh, well, I mean, they buy... have the ships for the, to catch the fish, don't they? Well, exactly. The two go hand in hand, or fin in fin. Fin, and, well, uh, fin in boat. Fin, fish. and uh, and so you can get lots of nice fish that would be very expensive in countries that have to import it for very low prices even by english standards salmon and most importantly prawns Prawns. and the prawns that they get in norway are huge i mean you'd call them king prawns or you know whatever in the uk to them they're just prawns and they buy sacks of them for not very much money at all even by high standards 10 kilos or something ridiculous maybe not quite that much but but a lot 500 weight or whatever that means 36 (laughs) a quart a barrel I mean, and then, for our for our listeners uh, in America, I think that's two and a half fluid ounces. Yes, exactly about that. Possibly slightly less. Possibly slightly more. Maybe more than three inches. And you have to deshell your own prawns. Indeed. Which is very difficult. I know it's very rude that the prawns don't do it themselves. Yes, come dance, jump from your skin for my pleasure. Bit weird. <laughs> and uh, and you have it with pink mayonnaise. Mm. And uh, not pink and nobody mayonnaise, knows mayonnaise. what's in pink mayonnaise. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's one of those weird things that the recipe was lost to the eons of time, and perhaps it was given by aliens, as far as we know. This week on Tomorrow's World, we investigate pink mayonnaise. Is it real or is it fake? Will it fuel the cars of the future? I I would watch that program. That was very good. (laughs) (laughs) You should... uh, Make that a challenge for yourself. Can you make a car run on pink mayonnaise? Find out next week on the pink mayonnaise mystery. You, you know, mayonnaise is is fat, isn't it? Fat burns. You should be able to run a car on mayonnaise. Uh, Could you run a car? Well, I suppose it has energy in it, certainly. What's it? It's made. It's what is it? Oil and egg or something? Uh, Yeah. Plus um, 12 essential herbs and spices. (laughs) No, that's gin. Oh, that's gin. Or KFC. You, you've oh, been pouring gin on your sandwiches again, haven't you? <laughs> Fantastically good. <laughs> <laughs> if it's good enough for Gordon, it's good enough for me. The question is, what does Booster Kush think about gin sandwiches? Booster Kush, I got my gin sandwiches. Man, they're good. Enough to make you want to smack your mama. <laughs> I should have been playing the mandolin again while he did that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, he needs his uh, he needs his theme music as as he speaks. He does. You're going to have plenty to edit out of this one, aren't you? I think. No, not in the slightest. Every bit gold, every, every moment word, platinum. Every moment. Exactly. You're giving me good reason to buy a banjo, though. I've always thought I should have a banjo. It's like one of the few stringed instruments I don't own. It's Maybe one of the few one. stringed instruments I don't own, and I'm not allowed to. I've been banned from buying a banjo. What? I know. I have a mandolin, I have a ukulele, I have a guitar, I have a thing. But I, I don't have a banjo, and uh, it has been... What I want is, and they sell these... Banjos stringed like a guitar. Do you mean strung? Uh, no, string ed. <laughs> a banjo, string ed, avec le guitar. String ed for the very highest specifications. You can buy a six string banjo because they're they're usually tuned. Are they tuned like a violin, like a mandolin? I don't, I don't actually know which and notes. And then they have a weird to. short string. They do a fifth short, the fifth meat. Um, I sort of can see how that would, you know, shorten the learning curve of getting to the point where you could play the banjo. It depends. Do you want the banjo sound or do you want the authentic banjo experience? (laughs) 
I think I'd want the authentic banjo experience. Although I did know somebody at university who had a banjo lele, which is ah. a whole nother ball game. Yes. Now that's strung like a ukulele, so that should that would be a, a similar. I think it's mostly because you are incredibly talented at stringed instruments, whereas I know some chords. <laughs> but I've just realised something that really speaks in favour of the idea of a banjo strung like a guitar, because mm. if you combine the two words, what you have, in fact, is a banter. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or a ganjo. <laughs> or a ganjo. Ganjo, banter. <laughs> That's pleased me greatly. <laughs> I must have a banter. Got ganjo, just, I got my banter. <laughs> just my so banter. I can tell people, I'm going to play the banter. I'm just going to go and play the banter. It's like totally got six strings. I mean, that is just what you want when you're playing a stringed instrument. It's banjo. Uh, the Jack Whitehall of instruments. He is a six stringed banjolele. Bantar merchant. Certainly. Sorry, in Norway, yes, you took you took me to Norway. We we went uh, to the sights and smells of Norway. They were making a, a Viking longship. I think they were perhaps planning another invasion. Um, I certainly would welcome that. Um, I for one welcome our new Norwegian overlords. I actually amazing. genuinely would. I hundred percent. Um, but they were making it, and they had like a little tool shed where they had all the tools, uh, and there was no one there because it was a weekend or something, and so nobody was working on it. But they just had the little tool shed with all the tools just leant up against it. And did it did it even have a little rope around it? I'm not sure that it did. Not really. It was just sat there. I think it was just sat there. And obviously the assumption was nobody's going to steal all of these authentic tools. They're in Norway. And everyone's lives here are so tremendous. Why would they need to attempt to improve it by stealing beautiful tools? I'd... Yeah. No, that was a, that was a very... cultural shock. Because you go, there is an assumption here made by the people who left these tools that they need not worry about this. Yeah. 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 No, well, it's the same as when we, I remember we went to visit Oslo and there a lot of the houses, well, not just in Oslo, but where my cousins as well, a lot of the houses have the names of the occupants painted on little cute sort of plates on the outside. And you think, mm. you know, here in the UK, a lot of people shred their posts so that their address doesn't get out into the world. And in Norway, everyone's exactly. painting, hello, welcome to our lovely house. Yeah. <laughs> it's very nice. It's very nice. Although in winter, Oslo is, you know, you, you cannot move across Oslo in winter. I, 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 <laughs> I found it becomes, you know, unnavigable. What, because of snow? or? Uh, be well, do you not remember the ice that, that rendered oh, yes. large, large swathes of the city just simply inaccessible? Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't Oslo we were in. It was it was it was, was just a small Oslo? town. It was Turo. But um, oh, it was. It yeah. was Oslo. You're quite right. But yes, we, we last visited when uh, the thaw was just beginning after the winter snow. And as a result, there was there was about a half inch layer of slick ice on everything. everything just everything. And the Norwegians were just gaily hopping across it as though it wasn't there. And, and we were all slipping around like penguins. Well, we'd well, we arrived in brogues, which I don't think was perhaps the best <laughs> choice for, for winter. We should have been wearing snow tyres. some shoe as yeah. we shuffled our way across. <laughs> You got very good, though, at skiing across it, didn't you? Well, this is it. I made the conscious decision. Uh, I could either have a terrible time and just fall over, or I could create a sport. And as you know, there's nothing more uh, that I love than creating a sport, uh, which is, of course, nonsense. I hate sport. It is from the <laughs> devil. But uh, I, I did create a sport, and that sport was foot ski, um, where you kind of crouch down, and then you just let the ice take you. 
uh, wherever, in whatever direction, at whatever speed. Surrender yourself. Uh, you surrender yourself to the ice. You play. Uh, and, and that's get, a good pun. Oh, Fly. oh, oh, that ah, is. Hey. Oh, good gravy, sir. That's fantastic. That one has just escaped without you even noticing. Surrender yourself to the icy flow. Rules the force. Ice flow. Nowhere to go. Lost in the blinding whiteness of the tundra. That's another reference I've stolen. I don't know if there's any copyright issues with that. Is that a, is that another mighty boosh? It is. Yeah. Check him out. Yeah. Oh, that is a good one. Look deep into the podcast. Anyway. Anyway. Yes. What were we saying? I don't know. Foot so ski. you yes. you were, so you were we foot skiing down the hills. I foot skied down the hills, and it was great. We got some video. Basically, let me let me paint a picture here for our for our readers. Please do um, a, an oral an oral an picture. oral picture, um, with words. A, a mural. He, he would crouch. He would crouch to to a to a almost semi recumbent posture, and 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 lean himself forwards, and thus be even less. Occas- I would say occasionally recumbent, depending on the ice. Occasionally recumbent, depending on the ice. True, and and find himself at the top of a slope, and and simply push himself. Uh, on his heels over the edge of this slope and then rather impressively actually scoot down it as though he was on skis but he wasn't on skis and mm. he was all kind of crunched up and, and, and hunched over on his on his haunches hunched and crunched on the haunches lots hunched of and crunched on his haunches and, uh, and, and found himself at the bottom giggling sometime later and it was it was very impressive it was excellent it was an excellent way to spend an afternoon and well, we were all damn lucky not to break our necks, I think, but it was good fun. Well, it, it, uh, yeah, exactly. But it was the only way to navigate some of these slopes. Because it was. obviously the, the water had kind of started to melt and then it had flowed and it had frozen again overnight. And so it was just these sheer flows of ice down what should be a nice path through the through the forest. And these are the things the Norwegians have to deal with. And yet they remain so gracious. And yet. And, and yet. yet. And, and yet. And beautiful and uh, blonde. And this and is what having tons and tons and tons of oil money and a population of three will do for you. And a sovereign wealth fund. That is a country <laughs> who, instead of having national debt, that's not cool enough, they have a sovereign <laughs> wealth fund. Yes, it's from oil, but they're investing it in renewable energy, and they are a beautiful yes. country because of it. We could lax lyrical about Norway for many hours, but... We have strayed away from the late 90s and early noughties. Indeed. And thus should return for our, our final 15 minutes or so mm. to the late 90s and early noughties. And, uh, and uh, I, I request of the any, any further stories or reminiscences that you may have. You, you wrote on our planning document the word caravans. And you so far really talked about tenting, but not so much about caravans. Caravanning, uh, yes. Well, caravans, we had several caravans, as I say, uh, when, we, when we were children. And they are taking a small home with you on holiday, which is an excellent experience because should you need to stop outside the road for a wee, which young children oft require, you can just pull over in a labour, wiggle the legs down on the caravan so you don't just tip everything up. And then no, not on the children. And then pop into, the, yeah, wiggle the legs down on the children and then pop into <laughs> the caravan. And, and there's a bathroom in there. And you can go, it's fantastic. I, I won't, you know, go too much into the details of the chemical toilet and its uh, intricate operation. 
But that was good. That That's not the highlight of having a caravan, I have to <laughs> I say. Just, yeah, I'm sorry. You've just reinforced every single caravan. That's a very good point. Oh, you're saying the best bit about having a caravan. Oh, it comes with its own bog. chemical toilet with you wherever you go. <laughs> and you and defecate as you please. It's you can defecate. You want to go to the toilet at this side of the road? Well, sir, just step right up for here within the caravan itself. It's a very and own self-enclosed chemical toilet. To think that some people choose to go to Bali when they could carry a they chemical could. toilet to And the Dartmoor. best thing is, because you're on the way to the caravan site, you take that feces with you. <laughs> I, I, I never caravanned. Uh, I did tent a couple of times mm. um, and always regretted it intensely whenever I've done it. Intense. The last, intense, intensely yes. regretted tenting. The last time I tented uh, was on a, a science education tour that I did um, when I just started going out with my now wife, and it's just proof of how much I clearly fancied her that I was willing to troll around in a tent yes. and then try and teach school children science when I am an English student. I can't imagine a place that suits you less than it, a tent. It, it's quite hard. Yes, I mean the problem is I am very large, mm. and tents some would say, tend some to would be say overly large. Over, um, uh, yes, yeah, some some would, and 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 I would look down upon them, and. Uh, in uh, in in tents, there's <laughs> you'd be room. the bigger man. No, I'd be <laughs> a bigger man about it. And uh, yes, I, I the thing for me that that I just cannot be done with with tents. It, 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 there's many things, but the big one mm. is in a house. You don't wake up in the morning and go, "Don't touch the walls, or you'll get wet." Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, it's there so is stupid. That. That's true. Um, just, and you say walls, bad design. but they are merely opaque bits of air that stop people being able to see you. They don't. They don't. Some you know provide any sort of privacy. No, you can't speak or listen to music or you know this, no, or yeah. do anything. It's it's rubbish. I mean, if the outside was so good, we wouldn't have perfected the inside, and we have, and so we should use it. Is, That's is what an interesting I think. point, which I don't think is an original thought, but it is a point well made. Well, exactly. These great points of wisdom and philosophy deserve repeating. Absolutely. So, yeah, we had caravans. Caravans were great. And you could take lots of toys and you could stack them up. And so it was essentially a bedroom, which you could also take with you, which as a small child was brilliant. And I took my box of connects and I made a lawnmower with connects. <laughs> and I made a car or a steam engine, or it was with connects. And we've talked about connects. But that was fantastic. Going on holiday and then still being able to play in your room. <laughs> I suppose. That so what you're saying good. is, the best thing about being a caravan was that no, you could fine. go on holiday without no, no. actually leaving home. My parents still love caravans and I'm building a camper van now with my Land Rover at the moment. So yes. I'm perhaps I'm not quite remembering this as well as I should. But it was great and I love those experiences and I would not exchange them for anything else. Yeah, quite right. And I mean, I think it's the thing. I, for some reason, I mean, I do... I, I, you know, not just because I like Top Gear, but but genuinely, I do find caravans a bit unappealing, mm. beca because of the fact that you have to go and find a caravan site and then sit amongst a large field of cabbagey humans. Not really interested in that. But camper vans, for some reason, I find a deeply romantic concept. You mm. know, the idea of you and your little house on the open road, like a snail traversing the world with you know the house on your back. I think it's great. Yes. I do understand that the reality is probably a little bit more spartan but there's no point in going over why caravans are or aren't good i mean i i i you know i'd rather stay in a nice house still you know i mean they, the they are available Airbnb, to rent i suppose is it is well, a, yeah it's a wonderful thing we've, we've done a bit of that well, obviously pre uh the event <laughs> don't think about the event 
you know, we'll, we'll not talk about it because uh, people might, you know, in the future not know what we're talking about, and that could be fun. Yeah. But um, before the incident, if that's you, please write to us at two thousand and twenty-one at uh, the future. At really? Did the you past. not remember what just happened? Oh my goodness! Why didn't you remember what happened? PO box uh, four seven three two, BBC. Yeah. Um, I always found that that was one of those talking about memories from childhood and a brief segue, and I should just you know tangent on my head. Um, an excellent tangent. Thank you. There was always the thing in on the on the B- CBBC when we were kids. They'd be like, "If you want us to wish you happy birthday, send us your name, your address, and fifty thousand pounds to PO Box BBC PO Box PO Box." Yeah, they did. And milkshake. I seem to remember always had people's birthdays. What was milkshake? milkshake? It was a television. It wasn't BBC, but it was on very early in the morning, and I think I only watched it maybe twice, maybe when I was ill or something. But yeah, they started with birthday cards that had been sent in. And here's yeah. your mum and your dad. They always had fold-away bits. And, oh, yeah. they'll, they'll love you so much. I Talking of so holidays much, and the CBBC, um, yes. I once entered a portrait competition Goodness. on Smart, which was the art oh. Yes. Yes, which was an excellent programme. And I got my portrait shown on the television whilst we were on holiday. Wow portrait i painted and I, I to this day i stand by the fact that i won that competition to go on smart but because i was on holiday uh we missed the phone call home to say we'd like to invite you in and they went with somebody else because the young lady who, who won the competition with her her portrait was rubbish didn't look anything like her <laughs> mine mine was painted in kind of you know like dutch masters kind of style photorealistic black to red background and kind of that kind of oil painty kind of way I, I bet they. I bet they were thinking. You know, if only he picked up the phone, we'd have discovered the Mozart of painting. Exactly. Alas, exactly. Uh, we'll never yeah. know. They'll never know. Um, no. Just to have your one and only masterpiece is behind you. And that was a holiday-related segue, so that's okay. I like it. It's really good. Our our sort of version of, well, not so much our version of caravans because it's not a version of a caravan, but mm. the sorts of holidays we used to go on at the same time was if we weren't in Norway, my parents' other thing they always liked to do was we would go and get little holiday homes in France you know rent rent them for a week and the aim was they sort of you know the game when booking the holiday was just slowly how can we get France. as far away from civilized society as possible we would always get a jeep that was like a thousand miles from the nearest human being mm-hmm. and so i would always spend the first couple of nights of these holidays bricking it because we were in absolute dark countryside nobody around for miles oh, I and I, see, always, yes. I always envisaged you know murderers coming over the hill the french it, murderers were coming over the hill because right, those english the, stupid fools have got them stuck in a tiny g on the side of the hill and it was just there was just nobody around for miles and i remember once somebody came and knocked at the door in the middle of the night and it was raining and howling and i was just like you know this is it this is how we die and it was just somebody who'd lost their dog and wanted to know if it walked by bon oui. uh, uh, well, Le chien ne part avec moi. Le chien. Is that what they it's say? Like, it's like you were there. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, there was always that sort of frisson of danger at the beginning of the holidays, and then eventually you'd settle down and, and, and really enjoy it. But, but the good thing about going to, you know, proper middle of nowhere France was that they would also go off and find um, proper French bakeries, and we'd get, you know, uh, La boulangerie. Les Bourangers, exactly. And uh, and I was never brave enough to go. When I was doing my French GCSE, you know, I wasn't brave mm. enough to go and talk to Monsieur Le Gasson. But uh, nevertheless, always enjoyed that. That was that was that was lovely. They were they were la, good la, la baguette, uh, la pain au chocolat. Ouais, le... ouais. 
And of course, they were the precursors to the ubiquitous year 10 France trip that everybody had, where you'd go with your entire school to France and, and troop around Montmartre and, you know, the Eiffel Tower, and you'd all get your pickets, your pickets pocked. <laughs> <laughs> you do them without thinking now, don't you? <laughs> I do. My, I, gosh, yeah, that's, that's triggered a memory. I remember we were... So yeah, we we were we were staying with French families outside Paris and then going into Paris each day on a coach. And every day before we got into central Paris, they would say over the announcement thing, mm-hmm. you know, watch your pockets, be aware of pickpockets, don't put anything valuable anywhere, anyone can reach it. The French, they're everywhere, they're going to steal your goods. You know. Watch out behind you, there they are. <laughs> and so every day you'd get off the bus and be like, Oh, they're gonna come and steal my money. And and so I remember being there with my jacket buttoned up to my chin and my, you know my money inside and inside pocket, my hand the inside of your pocket exactly. and uh and we were walking through i think it was Montmartre area and i must have just looked that my my fear of being pickpocketed must have been or pocketed must have been written across my face because this yeah. huge guy walked past me and i don't know why he had a flower in his hand but he had a flower in his hand. he threw a flower at me mm. and said don't walk like you're scared and I was like, well, that's oh my not gosh. helping. That's a terrifying thing to say. <laughs> I am now. <laughs> I'm really scared now. I got attacked by a giant Frenchman wielding a flower. I just, I mean, it was one of those things at the time, because I'd sort of built up this, you know, narrative in my head of like, Paris is full of people who want to steal your money. Of course, Paris is lovely and I love it. And, you know, it's all nonsense. But at the time that so in my head at the time that didn't really come as a surprise because i was so keyed up waiting for somebody to do something like that yes but now i look back at it and i'm like what kind of psychopathic maniac does that to a, a school kid who's obviously on a school trip a like terrified school child just goes bizarre. Up and says, don't be scared for some reason i have russian accent <laughs> have a beautiful flower on me <laughs> go kid What's flower go? courage yeah very odd a very strange situation <laughs> Now, we're coming to the top of the hour. The end of the it's, holiday. It's time for bed, children. So we should summarise and, and, and Ooh, summate. summarise? <laughs> the answer is Booster Kush. Booster Kush. I make the sun rise. <laughs> uh, I think you should sign us off by uh, 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 telling us in the voice of Michael Caine Mm-hmm. why holidays in the late 90s and early noughties were better than the kids these days will ever experience. Uh, on on the condition that you will accompany me on the Amanda okay. Lynn. All right, well, in that case, let's not have Michael Caine. Let's have Booster Kush. Booster Kush. Right, fellas, my name's Booster Kush. I'm here to tell you that in the 90s and early noughties, holidays were better because you could defecate at the side of a road unimpooned by the French. Thank you very much. And good night. Lovely. There you go. I think that's right. I think I went well. I think I did too. And find a stop button. I'm going to press stop also. Stop. Stop.